Welcome everybody to the Magic Beans Podcast. We are back again for episode number 113. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I have a couple of beans on the line of me. So tonight we have Chewy. How's it going mate? Good mate, how are you? Pretty good and Cracker is back again. How's it going Cracker? I am. I'm very well, thanks mate. It's like three weeks in a row. What's what's going on? I mean, that's yeah. pretty normal for you. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like... I'm here most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm furiously Googling to see if there's been a banned and restricted announcement. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that in a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, do, do we have one, do we? I don't know. It's, it's not in our no. show notes. <laughs> oh, uh, no, there was uh, the. Uh, let's just jump right into it. There was no changes to Commander this week. Oh, there yes, was yes. A, a meeting from the- Rules committee and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, no, no bans. So I, I did see on that topic, no announcement. Uh, the challenger decks. There was a bit of a kerfuffle because oh yeah, the yeah, mono white challenger decks have got faceless haven and faceless haven's banned. But apparently, if you play the exact seventy five that comes in the challenger deck, faceless haven's still legal, but you can't play an optimized deck list. So faceless haven is still banned. Is the uh, <laughs> the long and the short of it. So. Yeah, I'm sure this happened a few years ago. I, c- I couldn't remember exactly when, but I'm sure they did some challenger decks. It was probably like three or four years ago, and the exact same thing happened. They released the lists, and then there was a I banning. think it happened after the challenger decks were already released, where this is kind of happening yeah, before okay. they're out. Yeah, I, it's definitely familiar, but I think they've been out for a little while. I'm sure they did, well, they, this, they they did, did the same rule, with, though. Like they said, yep, They you, did you it with Stoneforge, but it was banned in standard. Oh, oh really? A very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was there was exactly the, the exactly this. There was the the like challenger deck, whatever they called them in, but it had Stoneforge in it, and you could only play that package, like that seventy five that you could buy as a precon, and then otherwise it was banned. So exactly the same scenario. Yeah, okay. I, I I guess Apparently they, they kind GTA of GTA was too good. Yeah, they sort of have to do that. Like if they're selling these challenge challenger decks as you know, go to your local store. Oh, I want to play Magic. Okay, here, sweet. You can buy these like intro decks that you can just take and play straight away. You can't sell those products and tell people, okay, yep, yep, buy this product. But by the way, we've just got to take three copies of a card out of there and you're just going to have to buy something else to put in their place because they're banned. That's not going to go down too well. So, yeah, not, not yeah. surprised to see them allow that, as, even though it is super weird. And are these, are the Challenger decks getting released on Arena? Did I see that as well? Oh, I didn't see that, but maybe. Hmm. I like. Is that just like a cheap way to get wild cards? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, no, it yeah. might be might be something that people are interested in if there's value in them. But yeah, uh, like I bought them a few years ago when it came. There was like the red one that had like runaway steamkins and and that sort of stuff in it. That's and what it I did actually, before we played it, it at good the PTQ. Value. Yeah. yeah, and and it's like, well, the, it is the best value for me to get those cards. Yeah, to outside. get most of the deck. Yeah, well, the only other way to get better value on getting those cards would be to buy the singles individually through Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Oh, look at that. So, Off you uh, go. Keep, keep so, going. So, yeah, Josh and Pat's are a Facebook auction group, if you didn't know, <laughs> and, and you are looking to, to buy some physical magic cards to take to your F&M. Uh, yeah, go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au. That'll take you straight to their page. They have nightly auctions, like over 100 cards go up every single night, premium auctions on the weekends. You can get tokens for uh, winning, and they'll, they'll send you some cool uh, you know, not the thread or zombie or angel tokens. And they also have the win it now auctions that go up nightly where it's a first in first served scenario and you can get some great deals there. And they look after us from all of our uh, tournament series, which will has kicked off for the year. We'll talk about that. And all the way up to our envy at the end of the year. So check out jpmtgbazaar.com.au. And when you do win, please, please, please tell them that the beans sent you. Very good. That was like, almost sounded like we planned it. Let's just go on this segue, rambling topic and then just lead that into <laughs> talking about our sponsor. Can, can I finish the rambling topic? Because I found the um, the actual challenger deck info. So the answer is no. There's the You can't play those. You can't play Faceless Haven on arena or magic online because you can't get them on there so there's there's no option to buy challenger decks in either of those platforms okay cool. so it's only paper yeah. okay there you go Fair enough. cool and uh yeah maybe wizards went uh papers paper standard is not super popular and 
whatever we can do to well, get they, people they, to they play just too many yeah. people. They would have had to order the print run of these oh, yeah. ages yeah. ago, yeah. a long, long time ago, before yeah. they new bands were coming. So that's that's why that would happen. They yeah, this is totally coming to until lunchtime to- on a Monday. So <laughs> that's yeah, how it goes. That's right. I mean, they haven't they haven't thrown the darts yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, so true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're like over five minutes in, and we're uh, completely off the rails. So let's sort of get right back on topic. Yeah, sort sort of get back on to. Uh, on I've got. Topic I wasn't here last week, so I've got a full week of tangents to catch up on. So. <laughs> yes. Two weeks of tangents in one episode. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to close this tab with the show notes because we're just gonna, not going to bother with that tonight. <laughs> Crack knuckles. Right, let's go. Uh, but yeah, I, as I mentioned when I was talking about Josh and Pat's uh, that we kicked off our tournament series. I was uh, I was playing cricket, so I couldn't play in the event. But we had some historic action last weekend. Yeah, we did. Yeah, good. Uh, good event to kick off the start of the 2022 tournament series. Uh, we did at one stage, I think we're up to like 26 people registered, which was very nice. Uh, it would have been our highest event uh, to date, it was a one-day event. But yeah, people playing cricket and other random last-minute things meant we had a few people pull out. So we ended up with 20, which is still uh, a very good number for these one-day events. We're very happy with that. And yeah, played through five rounds of historic. So it was good fun. Uh, I streamed the whole day and yeah. Got to watch my uh, subpar playing of a deck that I haven't played for probably over a year, uh, as well as a, a few other people playing their decks much better than me. I ended up with a uh, a two and three record. I I think looking back on it, I really I probably could have quite easily ended up with a four and one record. There was. <laughs> If you haven't seen the clip, uh, you want to go and watch the end of the stream, the final match that I played, and me uh, timing out <laughs> with lethal in my hand. That was uh, that was pretty brutal. But yeah, is there that was, just uh, you were distracted from streaming? Or? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. No, so I, I played um, <laughs> Team Adventures. I did. I did my usual as Chewy always jokes. Did my last minute audible into a new deck. And, uh, it's yeah, not I've a been... joke if it's a true observation. It's actually <laughs> at this point, it's science, right? Cracker, does Shorty always audible last minute? Uh, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Okay. I'm it's, trying to think. There's, this, there's, it's now been, been peer reviewed. Majority of time. This is now it is yeah. actual science. Yeah, yes, peer yeah, reviewed. Yes. Done. The, the, the yep. vast majority of the time. Yes. Yes, there's usually a good reason for it, and, and my with, reasoning with this high time confidence rate. Yeah, my reasoning this time was I wanted to play something. Different and fun because I was going to be streaming the whole thing. So, oh, that's, yeah, that's a fair. valid reason. There's no, yeah. no, no problems there. But <laughs> it's just it's funny that you know it, it happens consistently. I remember yeah. the last nationals we we drove up talking about playing blue white god pharaoh's gift, and then it was at like one in the morning or something. We submitted our deck lists, and I was waiting the whole time, like <laughs> the whole drive up, the the whole time we were like posting our deck lists, like filling out the PDF. I'm like, he's gonna change. He's gonna go to my I read he's gonna do it and you didn't oh, i was very I surprised I, pro- I probably should have yeah mono was pretty busted <laughs> it didn't, didn't do that well in the in the standard portion of that event so yeah Pay, it pays to change last minute forget all your practice that you've and all that time and effort that you've put in with a deck just audible last minute to something you've got no experience with and you're guaranteed to what enjoy your day. Go wrong? that's right <laughs> but yeah i uh i, I was I was planning on playing Phoenix, as we'd spoken about plenty of times. It's obviously one of the best decks in, in Historic at the moment and a deck that I'm you know, pretty happy to be playing. But I uh, I spent a couple of nights just sort of looking at a few different lists and seeing if there's anything cool out there to, to play for the stream and came across, yeah, someone had been running Teamer Adventures, which was a deck I really enjoyed playing in, in Standard. Uh, I don't know how many people enjoyed playing against it, but... It was good fun to play, and uh, it's almost exactly the same deck in Historic as it was in Standard. The The main deck is virtually just all the Eldraine adventure cards, and you just you get, get a Lucky few- Lucky Clover and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's all Lucky Clover, Edwell Innkeeper, okay. like everything. It's the, it's the full thing, because- You just no, have a better no, mana no, no, those cards right? are banned. Yeah, I mean, in Standard, they banned Lucky Clover and uh, Escape to the Wild, so you've got, got both of those cards. And then, yeah, you just get a better, a better mana base, so- And then a, a bunch of- really cool sideboard bullets to go and get with your your fay of wishes so yeah it was good um did, did quite well like the deck is super powerful 
and yet just completely misplayed a few, a few games that cost me losses. There's, I mean, for those who've played the Team of Adventure deck before, there's always just a million lines that you don't think about, and you, you know, you, you could quite, I could have quite easily won a few games a few turns earlier if I had have just thought, oh, hang on, if I if I wish for this, I get two wishes, and I can get this card and this card, and then I just win, or I win next turn, sort of thing, and and yeah, just sort of not seeing those lines. And then timing out at the end in that that last game, it was similar scenario. It's like, ah, if I had done this last turn, which I could have done last turn, I would have won. Instead, I'm like madly rushing around trying to make decisions and then running out of time and uh, losing because of that. So definitely could have had a, a much improved record, but I had a really fun time as well. And we had a, a pretty diverse metagame. We had, uh, you know, a few of the, the Scurry Oak combo decks, which we spoke about the last time we, we talked about Historic, the, uh, the green-white company with the sort of infinite life and infinite tokens, that sort of thing, a few Phoenix decks. But, yeah, then just a, a bunch of other random stuff, a few variations on Gruul, some Goblins, some, uh, like, Rakdos, Rakdos Arcanist. I cannot say that that those two words together. It's really hard to say. Aren't we lucky that Blackcleave Cliffs isn't? In the <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you. Yep. Uh, we had an Enchantress deck, Chewy, the uh, the green oh, nice, Enchantress nice. deck from, from I, I love the look of that deck. I just I'm not sure how good it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's uh, very it was, cool. It was okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then uh, Cat Gamer running the the blue white Auras deck that they've been piloting for quite a while, I believe. We we actually got to see them on on stream, which was pretty cool. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, it was taken down in the end by Sarah's Soldiers, who's played in a couple of our events and uh, and done, uh, I think, played in a couple of leagues. But, yeah, got the the straight win, the 5-0, and uh, they All were playing... All those sweet, sweet envy points. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'll be four envy points for Sarah's Soldiers. Good start to the season. But, yeah, they were playing Gruul Shamans, as we determined on, on stream. That is how you shamans. pronounce it. It's not, it's not Shamans. We're, we say Shamans. So, uh, mate, make sure you <laughs> make sure you say it right, <laughs> mate. You shorty, <laughs> what are you talking about? Hang on, on, you shorty, guys are meant to back it, me up, so all our international listeners think that that's how we it, say it. <laughs> is it Castle Ventress or Castle Ventress? It's whichever one comes out of my mouth when I say it. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> very yeah, different it, time. Is is it Ikoria or Ikoria? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so Gruul Shamans. Yes. Shamans. Shamans, yes. Look, there's no shaman in calling it shaman. Oh. Uh, so, uh, and then another Gruul deck finished second. Yeah, yep, yep. So we had uh, a good old uh, Rolling Royce. This bloke is unbelievable. He was, uh, yeah, he was sitting at 4-0 at, at one point and uh, playing Gruul Aggro. He's, I think he's played Gruul Aggro in every format for the last year for uh, our Beans events, and yeah, in, ending up in second again. Not uh, not surprised to see him there. And then running Pineapple in their very first Beans event, came in third running the uh, the Izzet Phoenix, the Bin Chickens. So Congrats. Good, uh, good diverse top standing there. And So uh, that yeah, is our leaderboard for our Envy as of yeah. event yep. one right there. Yep. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, so no, it was good fun. Uh, yeah, good turnout. Lots of people viewing on the stream. Gave away a few collectors boosters, and uh, yeah, kicked the the tournament series off in a good fashion. So I certainly enjoyed it, and hopefully the next one day event we play or we run, you guys can come and play that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah. uh, the next event is a leak, and it is just after Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Not Destiny, Dynasty comes out. Um, I'm just like or is it drive dyn- by trolley. Dynasty. You're going to die nasty. Yeah. Um, so that comes out very shortly. That, uh, I think it literally comes out like tonight or tomorrow night. On, yeah. Uh, on Arena. Yeah. On and Arena? then yep. on the, the actual event uh, will kick off. For us on the 25th, I believe, yep. um, our league kicks off. So uh, it's a, uh, a a little while to, you know, acquire some of the new cards and, and decide on a deck before we kick off our league, which is good. And plenty of time to play more limited as well, just to build up that collection just quietly. It's a little hot tip for you. Uh, but, yeah, so do you think 
Kamigawa's going to shake up standard? Because we've seen sets sort of come and go recently without making too much of an impact. And I know people are excited about the flavor and the the imagery and stuff in Kamigawa, but are there actually good magic cards that are going to make people remember that standard is even a format anymore? What do you guys think? For I hope so, man. <laughs> but look, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, you know, we're still coming off the, the back of a, a bunch of very powerful sets, which makes it really difficult for things to break in. Um, but it certainly feels like there are a number of tools in here that will hopefully either potentially spawn whole new archetypes or, you know, certainly supplement existing ones. You know, we talked about all of the sagas. I just can't see how some of those don't find homes. They just seem like they're too versatile with all the stuff they can do. And there's a lot of equipment stuff, man. And a lot of vehicles, which I think is really interesting. There's there's kind of like we've had one or two random kind of vehicles in a lot of sets now, but this feels like the first time you could like do the vehicle archetype almost. Now, I don't know that that's good enough, but there's a lot of pieces here. You know, there's a lot more of, you know, like cruise vehicles as though it had power to greater and stuff like that for like a one one. So for a one drop. So there's there's a lot of things there that I think are worth exploring. Yeah. Which definitely. hasn't been true for the last couple of sets. It's kind of felt like you just picked the top three mythics and two rares and moved on. But it feels like Kamigawa might be a little deeper kind of down into the, you know, uncommon and even common, common slots in, in some spots, which is so, so hard agree. And I've spent a little bit of time this week kind of not brewing to the point that I've, you know, got a deck list to share. But definitely there's some archetypes that I'm really looking forward to exploring. And and vehicles is definitely one of those. Uh, we've had a vehicle do a lot of really good work in standard for a little while now in a Seeker's Chariot in the, the Catmobile and or the Cadillac or whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of vehicles in in blue and white in the uh, in the Kamigawa set. And I think there's there's definitely a, a, a an option for a blue white splashing catmobile deck that could be like a, a mid-range grindy creature deck effectively so it's there's disruption protocol to which is a, a counter spell which is if you tap an artifact it's actual counter spell otherwise it's three mana one uh that's a pretty good way to protect you guys there's also spell pierce there's some half decent white removal there's the hotshot mechanic who you were referring to before as yeah. a great way to crew some vehicles. Uh, and then it, it's probably a little bit cute, but we, everybody's got a Kamigawa bucket list item of making a mech titan using mech titan core to exile a, a whole bunch of artifacts and bring them back as a, uh, uh sorry, not Voltron. To, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to full on <laughs> Voltron, right? Everybody who was, you know, born in the 80s uh, or, or before knows who Voltron is. If you don't know who Voltron is, pause the cast now, Google Voltron, um, and it's now four hours later, you've watched a vol- bunch of Voltron, and it's awesome. Uh, now you know what we're talking about. Uh, and, you know, Mech Titan Core, two mana for a 2-4 vehicle with Crew 2 is playable, right? You can just play that in your vehicle's deck, it, it's good enough. But then it's got the instant speed of il- ability to exile it and four other artifacts and make a 10-10. And I think that maybe it's a one or a two of, but this is something that you can, you'll can you include in your deck, particularly because you've got Catmobile, right? So if you make your Mech Titan and you exile a bunch of artifacts and you just happen to have an Aseekah's Chariot on the battlefield... You use your Mech Titan to crew the cat Cadillac and attack and you make another copy of that 10-10. You legend rule away the first one. It leaves the battlefield and you get all of your other exiled artifacts back. And then you have a shiny new 10-10 Mech Titan with effectively no drawback. That's really, really powerful. It may be a few too many hoops. It may be a few too many like cuteness points sort of thing, but... It feels pretty similar to what people are doing with Renan 7 and, and things like that. So, and you know, maybe the deck plays Renan 7 as well. And yeah, it just, it seems like a really powerful interaction and it's got counter magic to back it up. It just seems pretty gas. What do you guys reckon? Is it, 
am I just dreaming and my inner Timmy's getting the best of me? Or do you think this is actually a, a thing? Probably rather just attack with the hasty 10 <laughs> but, but then you don't have any of your stuff back. Well, and then it dies and I get my stuff back. But yeah. then I'm attacking with a 10-10, so. That's got <laughs> like, vigilance and lifelink and well, whatever. It, it, <laughs> it, it, yeah. I like the idea of, you know, cloning it. Like, that seems really sweet. Uh, and and Catmobile's on yeah. theme to clone it, right? Like it, it doesn't yeah, get the, the you problem is that, that. You, you, you have to wait till you've attacked. So, you don't get to attack with it that turn when you have made it is, is the only downside I can see. Well, there. you don't have to do it that turn. You know, you can- Look sure, at the game sure, situation sure. and go, oh, I'll just attack him with 1010, right? But, you know, you've got the option and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And if you're making tokens anyway to, to crew your, your things and there's the blue white guy who, uh, whenever you crew a vehicle makes a one one or something like that as well. So mm-hmm. there's definitely tokens that, that happen and, and just Catmobile's splashable and worthy of a splash if you're looking at vehicle payoffs as well. So. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty much a no. If you're playing a vehicle deck, I, I think you can stretch your mana base to include the uh, the. Cover. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, hundred percent. Like, it still has to be dethroned as the best vehicle, right? Like, I, I think you'll struggle. I don't think we've got anything that powerful in this set that you know not produces so much. Not, not, ob- not produces so much cardboard all in one go. Yeah, yeah, nothing so, nothing on pure rate. We might have a better vehicle yeah. that we just haven't discovered how good it is just yet, but yeah. uh, it's uh, it's definitely out there. Um, touching just on vehicles and, and equipment in Limited, uh, I'm glad that they've... Like, at first, having both in the same block made me quite nervous for Limited, where it's like, I've got all these equipment cards and I've got all of these vehicles, but <laughs> because of all of my commons and uncommons of those cards, I don't have many creatures... Uh, timing it with equipment that are also creatures actually mitigates that. That's, that's quite a, a good piece of set design, I think. Mm-hmm. And it caters to, to the limited player. So like they get a tick of approval there from l- limited old me, um, from here. But yeah. Um, what do you think, Shorty? Would you, did you ever play vehicles in standard? The Mardu vehicles? No, I didn't, didn't play that, uh, at that time, but it was, it was, the best deck to be playing at that time. It, it, there were, you know, we did have Smuggler's Copter and uh, Heart of Kieran, <laughs> which were very, very good uh, vehicles. I think the big thing with the vehicles in this set is that they're they're mostly coloured, which the sort of previously uh, vehicles have mostly been uh, just, you know, generic colour costs, like your, your, your super powerful ones, your... Um, Smuggler's Copter and and Heart of Cure and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I think in this set they've sort of gone, okay, well, rather than making them all generic costs, we can add colours and then that means we can push the power a little bit more. So I think we will see some some strong ones there. Uh, one thing that I'm like, it's just like, yep, this is total power creep. The hotshot mechanic that you, you mentioned, Chewie, do you remember yeah. Savannah Lines? <laughs> that, was a, that was a rare, it was a single, single white for a 2-1. With yeah, just, and it was like it. the no, best no white one drop ever. Oh yeah. yeah, I remember Jen playing her, her Boros or Weenie decks, and yeah, like Savannah Lines is like a ten dollar card, and now we've got an uncommon that's the same but also has an extra ability. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It vehicles well, to power to hot shot mechanic can crew a Seeker's Chariot on its own. Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> so it's absolute for for one white mana, and it's a. Yeah, so you get to attack yeah. for six instead of four, right? Yep. With your with your catmobile, and often that's that's one of the ways that you control the uh, a seeker's chariot is you know they they play the seeker's chariot, they get the cats, and then if you can kill those cats before they can start crewing and, and getting that extra value, then you know you're doing all right, and then it takes a bit sometimes for them to recoup four power to be able to recrew it. But if you've got a card like Hotshot Mechanic, it's like, oh, sweet, I top-decked this one-mana 2-1 that would normally be basically useless, but I can just play it to crew my Sigurd's Chariot straight away and, and off I go. So, yeah, I think that they're, they're, that pairing is going to be quite strong together. There's one more vehicle that looks really strong to me, which is kind of getting back to what you were saying, Shorty. It's called Reckoner Bankbuster, and it's actually two generic mana for a 4-4, and it's got a crew of three. So... It's also got a bunch of other texts. It says, it enters the battlefield with three charge counters on it. Tap two, tap it. Remove a charge counter from Reckoner Bankbuster. Draw a card. 
And then if there are no charge counters on Reckoner Bank Buster, then create a treasure token and a 1-1 pilot with this creature cruise vehicles as though it were power two greater. I so like that card in a control deck. I like it in a beatdown deck. So, well, it fits in I both, mean, it's right? A, it's a two-mana 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, absolutely. So you go, it's a two-mana 4-4 four, four like, that beats down, but it's also yeah. a, a card draw spell for yeah. your control deck to you know hold up counter magic and get cards when you need to, and then when you're ready to take over the game, it's your win condition. But it yeah, also... What, what was the artifact that we had recently, the two-mana thing that you could like tap it, add a counter, you scry? Treasure after. No, there's treasure map. There's one after that. Treasure map was the one in Ixalan. There's one. I can't remember what it's called. I know people have been talking about it, but it's it, it, along those lines. It was a card that's played in control, and and it just gets you that just that little bit of value over the period of a few turns, and then when you put the last counter on it, you sacrifice it, and you like gain four life. And oh, that one, like the Maze Mind Tome. Maze Mind Tome. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one we got there in the end. Yeah, s- similar to that, but can also be played in an aggro deck if you if you want to. The crew three is a bit rough, but you do get the creature to crew it when you Yeah, but you also the get the one drop. So if you play it with that other one we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. That, that cruise is a four power thing. So yep. you play that on turn one, this on turn two. That one great. that card cracker just might be good enough to be played in Eldrazi Trump in mod. Uh, because the matter reshaper cruise it very sure. easily. And so do you know all the other Eldrazi. Drawing cards. Yeah, and drawing yeah. cards when you've got Tron seems good. Um so, yeah, that, that might... Because Maze Mind Tome uh, is certainly at least played as a one-of, as a Khan wish target in the sideboard. So maybe this just straight replaces it because it not only draws cards, but it can also attack. So it's effectively two sideboard slots in one card because it can play double duty. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm, nice. like, I'm looking for a foil, anyone? There you go. <laughs> uh, and I, I, just the last one on this one, I, I really like Mobilizer Mech as a bit of a... Uh, just solid card to make this potential archetype viable. Uh, it's uh, one and a blue for a three-four flying vehicle with crew three. And whenever mobilizer mech becomes crewed, up to one target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. So you can crew three this, make it you know make it a three-four flyer, and then the other vehicle that you got lying around that you might not have. Uh, a creature to be able to crew it with can attack as well. So it's kind of a, a, a two for one as far as your crewing goes. And uh, a two mana three four flyer is not too shabby. So yeah. I, I like the idea of this. Game yeah, it seems really good. Especially, yeah, the the pilot mechanic. Well, it's not it's not really a mechanic. It's just a keyword, I guess. Keyword, yeah. Uh, is is very cool and, and it, like obviously very thematic. You know, you you would expect that a pilot would be able to crew a vehicle a lot better than a random creature. So, uh, yeah, w- works really well and just allows those small creatures that are good in the early game and not so good in the late game to then have some sort of relevance la- later on. They're just useful, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep. Like, and and like, you could always go red-white aggressive and play Magda and then just get, like, treasure value and stuff as well. Yeah. So yep. there's there's a couple of different ways you could take this, I think, which yeah. is nice because, like I said before, it, it feels like there's- there's kind of the setup to have lots of different options inside the same thing rather than just like we play a Seeker's Chariot and green decks and it's not like a vehicle deck. It's just a green deck. So, yeah, sweet. Looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Yeah, bringing yep. I, I, I think that's actually a really good point. They've tried to make uh, tribal uh, a thing yeah. over recent sets and it's, they, it's just boring, right? They're very linear. And it's just like, oh, I played my thing, I played my thing, I played my Lord, I played my payoff and I either won or I didn't. And we saw that with vampires and, and merfolk and a bunch of, you know, goblins and, and things in recent sets. And it gets stale quite quickly, but being able to introduce themes and still have viable decks is definitely something that would keep people interested. So whether it works or not, only time is going to tell, but... I appreciate them trying to, you know, bring that thematic things rather than just playing all of the best res and mythics and it's on curve and, and it feels like a deck, actually playing something that has a little bit more depth to it and a bit of fluff to it, you know, is, is good and great for new players as well to bring them in. So uh, I like that a lot. 
yeah, the, like the balance is to find to to design cards and make cards that can go in various decks, and those decks are different types of decks, like different yes. play styles, and and, and that's really thing. hard so, to do. Right? Oh yeah, abs- absolutely. But if if you can get a format to that spot where it's like, okay, you know, there, here's a, a broad spectrum of good, strong, playable cards, and you can build them in whatever way suits your play style or, or whatever your preference is for for how you want to play or, or it can can fit in with these cards that you already own because it, it's it's sort of a generically good card but without being too oppressive where it's like, okay, this card just slots into every single deck and I'm just sick of seeing that card. So I don't know how you <laughs> how you balance that. I'm not a game designer, so uh, no no way I'm going to come up with the, uh, the solution for that. But every now and then they do seem to hit that and you do have that sort of broad spectrum. So Yeah, I appreciate them trying and when they do hit the mark, it is definitely worth it. Uh, unfortunately, yep. when it doesn't hit the mark, it can get very stale very quickly. Um, Cracker, you mentioned red-white aggressive decks uh, and that was one of the other things that I've kind of been spitballing in my head to you know try to figure out if there's a, an option. You know, we've seen a lot of good mono-red decks. We've seen recently a lot of very good mono-white decks. There was a a Knights deck, a Mardu Knights deck a few sets ago. There was a Red-White Warriors deck early on in the Kaldheim set. And I'm just wondering, because a lot of the Samurai are also Warriors, there might now be the critical mass that means that, you know, the, the aggro deck in the format is some kind of Red-White equipment-based warrior synergy deck because we've still got all of the warrior uh, payoffs and we've still got all of the equipment payoffs with Akiri and such. And there's some decent equipment uh, floating around both in this set in the Kamigawa and lying around standard, you know, <laughs> sitting there in your yet-to-be-crafted copies of Uncommons. Uh, and things like, you know, Usher of the Fallen and Fireblade Charger and, and the other other good red and white cards can be bolstered by reinforced Ronin and uh, old mate Goro Goro. Having been Goro Goro, I expect him to have eight arms because he's like there's so many more Goros. But uh, <laughs> it's a, but it's a, you know being able to give you you know I think Scott talked about this guy on the cast yeah, last did. week when I was listening to it. Like two mana two two, you can you know give all of you dudes haste, and then you've got this top end which you know mono red. Or aggressive strategies in general can run out of gas. And, you know, one of the best mono red decks we've seen in recent years played, you know, Steamkin and then the stupid broken four mana enchantment and just let you go nuts. And that's that pushed it over the edge. This isn't on that power level, but being able to just pump out five fives is a, uh, because you've got, you know, an, an equipped creature attacking can certainly win games. And I, I think this guy's more than just a, card you want a p1p1 in draft I, I think he's pushed enough that there might be a home for him in some kind of aggressive strategy and i think given that he's a samurai it just might be good enough to to find you know that critical mass point where yeah the red white aggressive deck can be a uh, a creature warriors enchantment deck that happens to play a few samurai so i i don't know it needs a lot of tweaking but the best way to modify a creature, I think, is to play the play equipment or the uh, the name eludes me the two mana one one that puts a counter on stuff at the beginning of your combat step that they alchemy to be in step. Luminarch aspirant. Luminarch aspirant. Yeah. So there's some very very efficient ways to get a modified creature and cards that you would be playing anyway. Like you're not diminishing the power level of your cards individual individual card value to meet that modified state you if you're playing a red or or, i'm sorry if you're playing a white aggressive deck in any form you're going to be playing the luminarch aspirant anyway so you're going to see additional payoffs rather than just making your dudes big so i think it's uh there's something there something to get brewing and might be just a good best of one deck to play on your phone while you're sitting on your yeah. kids' floor waiting for them to go to sleep. So, yeah, but yeah. I'm not, not calling it the best cut, the best deck in standard at all, but I think it might be a good way to grind through the ladder a little bit. Um, I'm always hopeful for, uh, you know, Mono Red to come back into prominence and, and be a deck that we can actually play and, and play it in best of three if we need to as well. I'm still not sold on it. 
I think there's yeah there, there's enough strong mid-range decks and a lot of like meat hook massacre decks floating around and mono red decks just can't deal with that the red white decks may be able to though and that's where yeah if you can find enough of those synergies and and enough of a a, a strong enough end game and, and like you said Chewie, the the mono red decks we've had in the past you know we had the the steamkin frenzy decks it had a a big end game and then after that we had uh oh man I've, how have Embercleave? i completely forgotten Embercleave. wow i've completely forgotten the name of it it's that card that you cast and people just concede straight away. You had that to- What? Ruin to f- crab? What? <laughs> to finish, <laughs> finish games for you. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if we can find enough synergies and uh, cards that are going to let you play into the long game in, in the red-white aggressive decks, then we, we may get there. And, and you've put on the show notes here, Chewy, that the deck- would probably play main deck a braid, which I 100% agree with. I think there's going to be a lot of artifacts or you know vehicles or equipment that sort of thing floating around. And a braid was printed into Crimson Vow, so it's already in standard. If you don't know what a braid is, it's a one and a red for an instant deals three damage to a target creature, or you can destroy an artifact. So. It's what the red decks want anyway, because you can sort of clear those blockers out of the way, and uh, sometimes you go up substantially on mana when you can actually take out a uh, a, a big artifact with that. I, I got to kill a um. Oh man, why am I so bad with card names? What's the uh, torrential gear Hulk in uh, oh, nice. the weekend? Oh yeah, with the with an abrade that was quite nice. So uh, yeah, very good. There's definitely like the the like disruptive white creature spells as well so there's like spellbinder and um oh what's the one skyclave apparition still yep. kicking around and you could also top out that shirt end of the scouts or scalds or if we're yeah if we're playing red, red and white i think yeah, yeah, yeah if we're playing red white you scalds a couple of those scalds yeah. yeah but i mean you're talking about being modified creatures well that gives you a bunch of modified creatures, right? Whenever you cast a spell, this turn put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. You can card advantage like and synergy in one card is yeah. pretty gas. So, good way to kind of refill. So, I definitely think that you can play those as you, as you curve toppers and, and just go like a full wide beatdown strategy. So, yeah. Feels like the tools are there for this one now. Yeah, it's just finding A is it good in the metagame because, you know, Meat Hook Massacre is a thing uh, and people play like damn and things like that. But yeah, sure. I think it's, I think it's there. And I guess if you're building a deck and you can't beat that red white deck, then, you know, maybe you need to go back to the drawing board a little. So I think it'll be the type of deck, just like the role that Mono Red's played in the past where it keeps everybody else honest. And, and can get under some of the more greedy, bigger, slower decks. So, um, you know, it's a good way to get some W's. So, um, we mentioned, you mentioned synergy, Cracker. Mm-hmm. I love some synergy. And there's, there's a lot of synergy available in, in blue and black at the moment. And, you know, when I think Kamigawa, you know, I think Soul Shift. No, so, sorry. I, I think Ninjas. <laughs> Uh, and that's, you know, one of the iconic things, Ninja of the Deep Hours and Ink Eyes, you know, certainly uh, Umazawa's Jute, all very ninja-themed things that I uh, have played a lot of over the years. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, the Vehicles deck and the Red-White deck here kind of being potentials. I feel like a, a Blue-Black Rogues Ninja, Rogues Ninjutsu deck almost builds itself a little bit, you know, the, the core. It, it seems like less of a leap to get to the final deck list. And I, I'm i really excited about this because there are so many good cards that have, you know, ninjutsu as, a, as an ability. And there's some cards lying around in standard that a lot of people may have forgotten about. But when you think about them in the context of this deck or this potential deck, at least I'm getting excited. And I know you you both love a ninja, and I know Cracker you you love a rogue. So let's let's just go through a few of these cards and and see if we can start formulating a bit of a deck. So I mentioned Ninja of the Deep Hours, Moon Circuit Hacker is kind of like you know it's distant relative. So it, it's one and a blue for a 2-1 with Ninjutsu 1. 
Uh, when it deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card unless uh, Moonsocket Hacker enters the battlefield this turn. So the turn that you ninjutsu it in, you just draw a card and then it loots from there on. Still great. Very good magic card. You know, yeah. loot away those excess lands, find those answers. Happy with that. S- single blue mana on that ninjutsu is just it's yeah, it's very, very sweet. Huge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's silver for master, you know, master splinter, because we do have a ninja turtle. Uh, so blue, black for two, two. No, no, no. It's a turtle ninja. Turtle it's ninja. Not, it's not a ninja turtle. Legally distinct. <laughs> Do Hasbro own the ninja turtles? Don't, don't think, think so. so. Uh, okay. They, they, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So silver for master, blue, black for two, two. Also ninja, ninja two, blue, black. Uh, ninja two abilities cost one less to activate. So some of the, there are some with colorless mana in them. So that's pretty good. But other ninja and rogue creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So there's a lord. There's a, you know, so you could play this guy for his ninjutsu cost, or you could just play him as a two mana two, two that pumps the rest of your team. So a, a lot of value there. Uh, I also, I'm just going to run through a few cards here. Hopefully you guys are getting excited as I am, but that. Hang on. Before you move from Silver Fur Master, one thing. It, despite the fact that it's Master Splinter, it's actually not legendary and the abilities do stack. Exactly. So yeah. if you've got multiples, you get plus two, plus two, plus three, plus three, and your, uh, ninjutsu abilities will decrease by one for each copy of Silver Fur Master you have in one play. One generic. So. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. yeah. So doing, doing Lord things quite well. Uh, in that sense. So, and, you know, two mana, two, two lords, uh, have historically been pretty good in Magic's history. Uh, a, a card that is a good enabler for this deck is Thousand Faced Shadow. So it's a one mana, one, one flyer. Uh, and when it enters the battlefield from your hand, if it's attacking, create a token that's uh, a copy of target attacking creature, the token enters tapped and attacking. So what I like about this card is it's an enabler to play on turn one. It's a one mana, one, one flyer that you can turn into other ninjas like the moon circuit hacker and draw a card. But then that obviously returns the thousand face shadow to your hand. So you can ninjutsu it in a later turn for four and copy something else, you know, maybe your Lord or maybe to draw a card off your hacker and it it plays double duty here as the cheap creature to enable ninjutsu as well as being a, a really good ninja in its own right. And I think that's that's pretty gas in all honesty. I think that's a, uh, a thing that uh, this deck needs to be able to function. And there's also Network Disruptor, which is a rogue. So it still gets pumped off your rat. It's a one mana blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, tap target permanent. So again, great thing to cast on turn one to enable all your ninjas. It's a cheap, evasive creature. But when you've returned it to your hand or you draw it later on, it taps a permanent, taps down a blocker, which might let your existing ninjas get in for uh, an extra attack and an extra trigger. And I think these two, as the eight one-drops that this deck would play, uh, are pretty good. They both get pumped off your lord. They're both evasive, and they both are more than just a flying men. So I, I think they're pretty gas. And then, you know, there's there's a lot here, right? So uh, Suspicious Stowaway is a, a rogue, a werewolf rogue from, uh, from what set is that from? Sorry, from Midnight, Midnight Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, uh, it can't be blocked. And when it, uh, and when it, it loots when it hits, which is good. So it's an unblockable thing. It's a good enabler. And the uh, the back side of it, the green side of it, is just straight draw a card, which is also pretty good. I think it's just a good enabler in the deck. And the one that I went a bit deep, I went a bit deep, and I found something out of Forgotten Realms. Cridal of Baldur's Gate is a rogue, and it's blue-black for a 1-3. And he's got an ability which is kind of a little bit value, but not super exciting, which is uh, when he deals combat damage to a player, that player loses a life, mills a card, you gain a life and scry one. Scry one's pretty good, but it's also got whenever whenever you attack, not with Cridal, but whenever you attack, you may pay two. If you do, target creature can't be blocked this turn. So if you 
you know, you've got some got some ninja action. It's a good finisher. So you'd probably play, you know, a small number of Crydal in the deck just to force through those last few points of damage and get the uh you know those ninjutsu triggers. And yeah, I I think this deck is is pretty good. And you know, there's spell pierce and and other things to protect your ninjas. Um, you know, you can play duress or go blank to help control your opponent's hands. There's, you know, all of the standard black removal spells. You can play Fading Hope to bounce a blocker to to get your ninjas in. I think this is just going to be a deck that exists. And, uh, you know, is there a big finisher like we had with Zarathan with Rogues? Uh, there's a 5-5, but it doesn't have a impactful ability. But I think this this deck will exist and probably be pretty good. Essence Capture... Protects your rogues, makes them bigger. Uh, that aggro disruptive uh, archetype, like the rogues deck or the mono blue tempo deck that we've seen in the past, that quote unquote fish style deck, uh, I think it's here. I found a, a couple of cards if if you're wanting to play that style deck as well. There's uh, you come to a river, which is one of the the D and D cards for so one and a blue for an instant, and it's one of those choose one. Uh, you can return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand or target creature gets plus one plus O until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. So perfect. Little little bit of utility there. And then we've also got the new planeswalker that's in this set, uh, Kaito, who's only three mm-hmm. mana, one one blue black for three loyalty, phases out when he comes in, uh, the turn he comes in, but his minus two is create a one one blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked as well. So just a few extra utility cards can go with that, but this sort of deck seems right up your alley cracker. I'm assuming you're you're pretty keen to play something yeah, like this, sure. although your wild cards Absolutely. are probably not going to like you. Well, maybe there's actually a lot of commons and uncommons in this that seem pretty great, so it's nice. There's there's obviously a few rares, but I think spell pierce makes a huge difference to this being a viable archetype. Like that being able to get rid of like a meat hook massacre. To yeah. protect all your dudes or something, you, you just you so often with these decks need to just buy that extra turn, or you know you you counter some you know goldspan dragon or some giant threat with an essence capture, and you you pump your dude. Like those two cards in particular being available in this set, I think go a long way in helping. And then, like Chewie said, the the access to like the black either removal spells or disruptive. You know, you, you go blanks and duresses and things. You, you can kind of it feels like we might have the suite of tools we need around this core ninja package to support it which is really what you need you know it was like drown in the lock was like the best card in the rogues deck because it did everything you wanted it to so you know having options that are obviously not quite as good as that but you know giving you some versatility at one mana because these things are all hyper efficient that's that's the key thing here right it's just being as super efficient with all your mana as you can every turn uh, I think, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth looking at. Yeah, I'm excited by this archetype a lot, and I hope it's good because you know we talked about because I'm going to play it a lot and lose other ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> use all your wild cards and then not be able to play yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. That's what I do, man. I pick a deck and I go with it. Yeah. But we talked about the thematic decks just a, a bit earlier, right? Like this, this is absolutely something that's very, very thematic. And very cool without being hard tribal, and it's yeah. The the problem is that you get stuck. Like you're not going to get ninjas in another set. No, but uh, like same as what they've done with the samurais, they have sort of future proofed it that little bit. We spoke about it last week with where samurais. Most things yeah. that trigger off samurais are samurais and warriors. So you've got that yes. benefit of we had. Yeah, you, know, you always get warriors in sets, and we had like the D and D set where we got a bunch of warriors. They've done the same thing with ro- with ninjas. It's ninjas and rogues and, and for the, rogues, for, yeah, for the same great. reason. So there's already a bunch of rogues in standard, and then mm-hmm. there will be more rogues in future sets. So it doesn't it doesn't have to be specifically ninjas, which is good. I'm I'm glad they they made that choice because it stops it from being yeah, me too. such a sort of inbred parasitic. Yeah, yeah. that's parasitic. Yeah, that's the term I was thinking of. Mechanic where it's just that that single set. Uh, yeah, should be good to see. I, th- I think that's uh, got some potential to be a good deck. But in terms of the rest of Standard, I don't think any of us have really been playing much Standard recently. I've been sort of focused on Historic a bit lately. Uh, we'll be turning my attention to Standard now with our, our next league coming up. So 
hopefully start playing a bit more. But uh, one thing I just wanted to sort of touch on with this is uh, I've listened to the latest episode of MTG Goldfish and a comment that, that Richard on the podcast said was like they were talking about similar things, you know, what, what are you excited to see, that sort of thing. And, and he basically said like it, it came out this week that this set is the wordiest set ever. There's more text on these cards than any set ever in, in the history of Magic, which is crazy. And and he was saying, like, there is just so much text on the cards. You know, there's 280 cards or some somewhere around there, and then there's just so much text on all the cards, and every card does so many different things that it's just overload, and you just can't even process what it is. And, and I find I'm in the same boat today, and this is, this is one of the reasons why I struggle to uh, try and brew commander decks and things like that there's just too much that my brain just goes nah i can't figure it out i'm just going to wait for for someone else to figure it out and then i'll I'm have a look similar, and see what the meta's but every at. now and i'm similar but every now and then something comes along that piques my interest right yeah and, yeah. and it's like and that's the way if you look at my commander decks nothing is a pre-con it's just like oh i want to build a deck that plays all the shrines yeah. And so I built that and then they printed more shrines and then more shrines again. So the deck's kind of evolving and it's a, and it's like, oh, they banned my KCI combo in, in modern. How can I, I'll play it in commander. How do I do that? And that sort of stuff. But, uh, I guess the, what I put on the show notes this week have been that me trying to process it and going, oh, there's, there's a path here that may be worth following. And there's a whole lot of things I've looked at and gone, that's way too hard. Like this, I'll look at a particular card and go, potentially broken, there's no way in the world I have the bandwidth to break it. I'll let somebody <laughs> yeah, exactly. else break it. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm at the point where I can identify potential archetypes. So I'm certainly not breaking formats wide open, but I think I'm able to find some playable cards. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that was interesting, because I read some uh, stuff about that where this is the wordiest set in single face cards, if you go to double face cards, it was Midnight Hunt. But the last was either four or five sets are actually the wordiest sets ever in Magic's history. Yeah, it's been going up so, and up. And they're they're not getting less, which which is interesting. I mean, I was we talked That's about just power the, creep, right? Is that a symptom of power creep? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the the legendary dragons, and I'm not going to talk about them here. It's cool that they redid a cycle of them, but like just looking at the white one, man. There's two paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> of text on a five mana five four dragon. It's like they used to just say flying vigilance. It's like a fourth edition <laughs> they- blue card that changes the land type, exchange one land type for another. And all. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, but it's just it does so many yeah, things. So, so yeah, much. Uh, it's the game is uh, more complicated than it's ever been. I think. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this is influenced by Arena where, you know, triggers are harder to miss and things like that? Yeah, possibly. It gives them more scope to go, you know, people don't need to remember every single little detail on the card because we can just program it into Arena and, and that's fine. But I think it's just power creep, as you said before. Like, the, the cards are yeah. just getting more and more powerful and to make them more powerful, you either have to, you know, cut mana, uh, cut costs off of them, uh, which is pretty hard to do in, in most circumstances, especially when you're already talking about one mana creatures and things like that, or you just add more text to them. So it seems to be the, uh, the way mean, they're going. It, in in fairness, like a lot of the time, the more text on a card, the more fun it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, there's, there's a lot about um, enjoyment and replayability and, and versatility. And I think that's the thing we've really talked about the last few years, really, is just that Everything is a modal card now. Like yeah. it's not just charms. Like like everything has two or three different options on it, which is which is brilliant because it means you have more agency in your games. So like uh, yes, it's hard, but once you kind of get your head around it, I think it's actually probably a net good. Maybe they could tone it back a little bit because he said he's kind of crazy. <laughs> yep. All right, a couple of other cards we just wanted to mention, sort of uh, on the way out. There's a card that I uh, noticed this week. I've been tinkering with a deck in historic for a while i've sort of spent a bit of time playing it and it was one of my options for this weekend which is a, a mono red storm deck in in historic that uses bergy god of storytelling and grinning ignis which is a <laughs> random card that got printed in the time spiral remastered set i think it was but basically you can sort of go effectively go infinite with uh, with a few different cards in the deck and just sort of recast the same grinning ignis over and over and over again and if you've got 
uh, cards like Hazaret's Monument out. You can every time you cast it, you can draw a card or discard a card and then draw a card and, and sort of churn through your deck. And, and the deck's a lot of fun. Uh, playing it on mobile is extremely hard, and you run out of time very quickly. Sometimes you build your storm count to you know lethal, and then you time out and it passes your turn, which is good fun. Uh, but a card, there's a, a cycle that we didn't talk about last week, which is the marches, which are all similar in that they're uh, an X spell and then the color, whatever color they are. Um, so the one I'm looking at is the red one, March of Reckless Joy, and they all have this this same uh, paragraph of text to start with, which is a, a, an, a, as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may exile any number of red cards from your hand. This spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. So it's a bit different to ones we've seen in the past, like the shoals that we had, where it was it reduces the cost by the mana value of the card. This is just each red card reduces it by two or adds two to the X effectively with, with these sorts of spells. And it's exile the top X cards of your library. You may play up to two of those cards until the end of your next turn. So that deck just generates oodles of mana. You've just got, like, you got Steamkins going off, you got your Grinning Ignis, whatever, and you're just making oodles and oodles of mana, and sometimes you just get stuck and you run out of cards. So being able to go, all right, I've got, like, 30 mana here. I'm just going to exile the top 30 cards of my library. Just draw and, your deck, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and somewhere in there there's going to be a, uh, uh, what's it called? Are you just bane firing people or...? Yeah, grape, grape shotting shot? people. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay. somewhere in there you're going to find a grape shot or two and then that's just going to win you the game. So yeah, very very cool card for that deck. I'm I'm looking forward to putting that in there and just sort of seeing how it goes because it is a fun deck that I do like to play every now and then. So just an interesting one. Uh, I, I do think that card could actually see some standard play as well because for, for similar reasons in a, in a red deck. If, if we had a red burn deck, it, it would be quite a good way to sort of find those last couple of burn spells when you've yeah you could discard the redundant creatures that aren't going to attack for two through your opponent's board and turn them into burn spells yeah even just just paying mana for it like you you don't have to discard cards for it you can just pay the mana because it's uh, end of your next turn right yeah exactly so yeah yeah so you get the time to play it red and x draw x cards so yeah yeah Uh, you, you only get to play two of them but it might be those two burn spells that you need just to sort of win the game yeah. I, um, I the like other it. one, Cracker, was uh, Lion Sash, which is a card that mm-hmm. people have been sort of talking about for modern. Do you want to read that one out? I do. Hang on. I just lost it. <laughs> I know it's one and a white for a 1-1 one, one equipment creature, uh, and it has an activated ability. It says, white exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. And equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. <laughs> That's because not hard to say at all. Words. And then reconfigure two. We talked about reconfigure last week. If you didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to it. This seems really good, right? It's We were talking about this precast. It's kind of like Scavenging Ooze, which is uh, a green all-star in every format, basically. It sees play all the way back to Legacy. Uh, so, it- this thing gets big really fast and also, you know, can control a graveyard really nicely. So, yeah, I, I think this thing is great. And we were talking about the fact that particularly if, you, if you're looking like modern, you can uh, Stoneforge Mystic and then go and get it. And, and know, then just play it as a creature. You don't even need correct, to. Yeah, you can, correct. Yeah, so correct. You can put this into play as a 1-1 from Stoneforge activated ability as well. You so can put it into play off an Aether Vial. Yeah. And yep, then absolutely. use your use your mana to do a bunch of exiling and make it big really quick. Yeah, I like so, it a lot. Yeah, sca- scavenging yeah, use yeah. only got the counters when it was exiling a creature card, whereas Lion yeah, Sash yeah, gets correct. it for any permanent. Yeah. And and especially in a format like modern, you've got a lot of fetch lands and things like that in in graveyard. So there's there's going to be permanent cards in there pretty quickly for you to exile. It's a good way yeah, to turn I mean, off you, you the do. delirium. Yeah, yeah, it also. If the cycling decks are particularly good, uh, scavenging goose has always been a real pain to kind of fight through. So yep. this just seems just seems as good. Really good. Yeah. I uh, like it. Yeah, I think this will see play. Yeah, for yep. sure. Very good. Yeah. All right. So that's our sort of first look now that we've got the full set of uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty previewed. Uh, but, yeah, it is, is coming out on Arena this this week. <laughs> Neon Dynasty. Let's go with that one. Got <laughs> <laughs> to have the correct emphasis and the right <laughs> syllable. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, it comes out this week on Arena, so I'm sure we'll start seeing some deck lists. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll we might dig in and, and see how the metagame's looking before we get into our uh, our Kamigawa League. Uh, which, just as a, as a reminder, as Chewie said earlier, kicks off on the 25th of Feb. We should be doing a live stream again to put everyone into groups, which will be good fun. So Friday, the 25th of Feb. And yeah, there's over 500 bucks in cash and prizes for this league. And then, of course, invitational points, the uh, the chance to play on stream when we do commentary for the finals, and the winner of the league getting that invitation direct to the 2022 Magic Beans Invitational, which is going to be epic. So get in on that. Looks like I've already got 25-ish people registered still two weeks out, so that's a very good sign. And uh, yeah, we look forward to playing you all in that. Uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about on the way out the door, Chewy, is our uh, our new website. We've been directing people to it for the past few weeks, but uh, we haven't really spoken about it. So do you want to give everyone a rundown of what we've got on there? Yeah, yeah. I've been plugging away over the last few weeks on magicbeanscast.com. So we, we've got a, a brand new website. So previously, magicbeanscast.com just directed you to our Podbean, which just had all of our our episodes our library of episodes on there but uh we've done a bit of a revamp and we've got like an actual legit proper grown-up person's website now so uh you can see the advertising for our tournament series on there we'll post the latest episode on there it's even got some beans profiles which uh you know worth a look uh it's also got all the information that you need on our tournament series so if you've not registered for that and as Shorty was just saying you want to be part of the invitational jump onto that it's got all of the details including the rules up there there's a brand new magic beans merch store we've just moving over to to redbubble cracker's done a lot of work there some super sweet designs i've put in a uh, an order just today actually on that and everything from you know, the, the usual suspects right up to, you know, you can get masks and the Magic Beans logo plus the uh, the Magic Beans caricature options as well. But something that I'm really excited about is uh, we've got a page dedicated to articles. So my first content creation gig was writing art- articles for a local store. But what we're doing differently is we are opening this up to... The Magic Beans community. So if you're on our Discord and you've always wanted to write an article and you wanted to get it published somewhere, I'm willing to do the editing and and get it up there, you know, make sure it's, you know, ready to go, ready for public consumption. But yeah, we're going to have a community contribution page where anybody can uh, jump in, share their thoughts on that and, uh, and we'll tweet it out and all the rest of it and you know, if you've wanted to dip your hand into uh, content creation in that sense and uh, writing articles, you've got some great ideas. I've got one up there at the moment, and it is you should play more limited, and here's why. So if you want to read that, go to the articles page on magicbeanscast.com. And if you've got some ideas on some articles of your own, let us know. We've now got a place for you to post them. So yeah, head up to magicbeanscast.com, and it's going to be your kind of one-stop shop for all things Magic Beans moving forward. So uh, feeling feeling like we're leveling up a little bit as a as a group. Very uh, good. And thanks to, thanks to Cracker for some tweaks of my formatting today. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah, the yep. constant changes will happen. It, it will evolve as we get our heads wrapped around it, and you know, do a bit more web stuff. Stuff. It's none of our day jobs, but uh, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> It's fun. I, I'm, it's, it's nice to have a little, you know, a little homepage for us. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, somewhere to direct people to. And the epic video that, that Shorty put up uh, advertising our tournament series, that's right there, pride of place on the homepage. So, uh, if you're like me and you just want to go and look at that every now and then because it's cool, it, there's, a, there's a great place to go and do that. And as I said, our latest episode will always be there on the homepage ready to go. So, it's a good spot to go and just uh, listen to the podcast if you're streaming on a desktop. Very good. Okay, so that is going to do us for this week. So the usual wrap-up, uh, if you do want to get in on our leagues and events and all the different things we do or you want to get in contact with us to send us some articles and things like that, the best place to do that is to be in our Discord. So the link for that is always in the show notes. 
go on, click on that link, join our Discord, join our awesome community, and uh, come and say good day. The uh, there is the the merch store which Chewy mentioned before. You can get to that through the website or from the link in the show notes as well. Go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au to support our awesome sponsors that support us and uh, let them know that the beans sent you when you win an auction. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. All of those places. Just search for Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast, and you should be able to find us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are at Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time.